0: I was listening to a Dhamma talk by Ajahn Tanisro a couple of days ago <clears throat> and uh, he started out by talking about a woman who had joined a retreat that he was giving um, and she was a, um, raised by uh, s- some strong literate people in China. Um, and so, she grew up with two languages. I'm I'm assuming the first was English. I mean, the second was English, and the first was Chinese. <clears throat> and she is she was telling uh, John that it's she thinks in her mind is like bifocal. She has a bifocal mind. She said she speaks fluently and thinks fluently in Chinese, because that was her first language. And um, and then also in English, her second language. Um, and the two cultures are very, very different. I, I'll get back to that in just a second, but I, I remember once seeing a study um, done, there's a little documentary about the different perspectives that people grow up with and how they view the world based on the culture and the language that they uh, speak. And they took <clears throat> the test was, and they just showed one sample, but the test was Japanese parents and, with toddlers, very small children who didn't speak yet, so not even toddlers, babies, and American babies and, and mothers. So they viewed the mother playing with, the Japanese mother playing with the uh, her baby. And they had the same set of toys and it was a ball and a little car. And the Japanese mother would pick up the car and use the word, she used the Japanese word, but the, it used the word ride. She'd push the car along, ride. And the, the baby would take it, push the car along, then she'd pick up the ball and she'd go, play. And she'd bounce the ball to the baby, play. The baby would bounce it back. And then they viewed the American <laughs> mother, and the mother would go, car, car. Hmm. And the child would pick up the car and look at it and, you know, Just kind of observe it and then she'd go, ball, ball. And she'd hand the ball to to the baby. And the, the differences were that the Japanese culture is about sharing, about community, about getting along. We ride in a car together, you know? We play together. It's not a ball, it's something to play with somebody with. And Americans are about the object, you know. How many of us have wanted a brand new car? <laughs> you know, John Amro talks about uh, when he was four years old, he begged his mom for what was called a bubble car. And he promised, I will, I'll never want anything else. I really want this bubble car. And passed it on on their way to walk in somewhere they passed a shop with this little bubble car and he begged and begged for it for his birthday and um a couple of days before his birthday they walked past it again and the bubble car was gone and he was very upset <laughs> and then he got the bubble car <laughs> and his mother reminded him you played with that for about four minutes and that was it <laughs> <laughs> and that's Our Western culture is about objects and I want that. And the Japanese culture and the way they speak, their perspective is about, you know, community, sharing, getting along. I I bring this up because I had a kind of a revelation, a change of perspective and that story that that little bit of the woman saying these two ways of perceiving the world based on either thinking in Chinese or speaking in American English American English I'm, I'm I'm adding that I don't know if it was American English and I don't actually even know if it's English but I'm assuming because Aocheng was speaking in English so <laughs> but the the two she said never overlapped there was a different it's like the bifocal example was like at one point i'm looking through the large and seeing distance and the other i'm like looking at the details and seeing the object i thought that was that's what made me think of the uh japanese american baby study story and i can relate to this change of perspective and the different impact It has, it can have on our lives and on people around us. So, my friend who has passed away, Medica, uh, aka Cindy Hoffman, lived down in California. She and I went through a three and a half year training uh, to become, to graduate as, and be confirmed as lay ministers of uh, the community of Abayagiri. And um, had, Medica was known to be quite grumpy. And her she she received her name Medica uh, from Ajahn Amro upon her asking for a name to help her with her practice. Medica is about metta. Metta, you are to practice metta and and She was rather averse (laughs) to receiving a name about Metta because she was an averse type. So she was really grumpy and she was quite bossy, and she really scared me (laughs) when we first met. She had been around Dhamma and around spiritual practice a lot longer than I had. I had only been involved for a couple of years when I was invited to partake in this training. And and Medica had been involved not in the Theravadan Ajahn Chah lineage for long, but in the spiritual realm for a long, long time. I think at one time she was involved as, ai don't know if it was a monastic or a committed lay person in the Hindu practice, I believe. I'm, I'm not quite clear, but anyway, she had a history. Of years of being involved and eventually led her to the Ajahn Chah lineage. And so she was also invited and this is where we met and, uh, and she was very sure of herself and she was very sharp sometimes and if she was grumpy he really just I really just wanted to do whatever she said and get out of there <laughs> well one day we had a so in our training we would meet up every three months for a full weekend of training with the monastics. And one of these weekends happened over a winter retreat. And so rather than stay on the property, we actually stayed at one of the other late ministers, trainee, lived right across the street. So we, we stayed there and the monks came over when they could. Um, to give us some teachings, but mostly we were by ourselves and we were to do some, take this opportunity to partner up with somebody and do a practice based on a theme um, that one of us would choose. Well, I got Medica and I was just like, oh, my God, this is going to be really painful. (laughs) I was going through my head. Uh, And um. Pick themes out of a hat, and our theme was meta. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, oh no! And uh, I was invited between the two of us to go first, and I was to give a guided meditation to Medica about meta. <laughs> and so I did, and and at the and then she gave one. And at the end of this uh weekend, she came up to me just really soft and it's very very touching and moving and um, and just just said that was really beautiful. I feel I feel really grateful. Thank you so so much for sharing that that uh, teaching, that, that uh, guided meditation. It, it really was impactful. And the point is that from that time on, whenever I caught her eye, even when she was grumpy, that all I would see, all I, that I would remember, I was really touched by, we really touched each other. We really met at this place of Metta. And I couldn't forget that. it. Would, that feeling came up every time I saw her again, whether or not she was grumpy and she would still get grumpy. She, up until the, practically the day she died, she still, she knew she was a grumpy person, but she worked on it, mm-hmm. you know. And we were, and, and I, I, the, just the perspective of coming from, this person is full of meta, you know, that my perspective, allowed that door to to perceive her ability to be full of meta which I couldn't perceive when I was concerned about my own feelings concerned about my own fears oh she's gonna she's gonna get angry with me and that makes me uncomfortable that's that's a view that's based on myself as opposed to a view that's based and open to her, to those around me. She's full of men. I remember that feeling. I didn't even have to. I didn't have to say that to myself. It just came up. Never we caught and she. Oh, and I always saw a twinkle in her eye from that point on. Even with to the point where year, a couple of years later, we're at her her house and we're doing a, um, another weekend together. And we decided, we decided again, partner up. She chose me and we're all going to give each other a back massage. Um, just, so I give her, I'm starting to give her a back massage. I get to go first. I I'm starting to give her a back massage and she goes, no, no harder. She, she was a large woman, very strong, not tall, but, uh, broad and strong, stout. Harder, push harder. Here, let me show you. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, thanks, maybe a little lighter. Here, I I think I got it. I'll do you now. (laughs) And I never got it quite hard enough for her, but even that, in the past, I would have come from, damn it, that hurt. Stop. I actually would have. Uh, but I didn't, because I knew we loved each other. I knew we had, we had, you know, my perspective was looking through the broader part of the bifocals. You know, it's like, it's there. Can't be denied. Won't be denied. You know, so she's not doing this on purpose. She just has to be, happens to be really, really strong. And I don't, I actually do not like, Deep tissue <laughs> massages. I like Swedish massages. <laughs> but she liked deep tissue. You know, so different, different perspectives, but it it changed up until the point that she died. You know, I never I no longer had the perspective that she was someone to fear. She was someone that I needed to protect myself around. So Alistair and I just got back from um Scotland. We his father had been in a home uh for um he had what was called vascular uh, dementia, and that's set comes on from stroke. So he had little strokes, and this is the dementia increases as you just have little strokes. Um and the and we tend to live about five years, and that's about what he lived, just about five years. But we were expecting he'd be around because of where he was at. we were expecting that he'd be around another couple of years, maybe year. Um, but we got a call, and we had to rush off uh, the next day after that call, um, to try to get there before he dies. And so we and we did, and he hung on for another five days. And preparing to go, I felt sad. I felt we're not going to get there in time. I felt worried. I felt I was, I'm going to miss him. You know, it was, it was I was suffering. I was grieving. Um, and then when we got there, it was all about him instead of what I was feeling was all about him and Alistair and I spelled each other every 6 hours to sit with him so at least one of us would be with him when he passed but when he passed it was during a time that we were you know my, Alistair was coming to spell me and we ended up chatting and noticed that he was he was dying so we all both got to be there at the time of his death and it was really quite a beautiful and quite a peaceful Death and we felt very honored uh, to be there. So during this time was just really incredibly beautiful uh, and truly a a big honor. And then afterwards, coming home and being out of that environment, I started to feel you know the grief. I started to which is normal, you know. but it was more about what I was feeling. I was, he wasn't there for me to have that bigger perspective. Now I'm here for you. Uh, when we can do that, when we can be in the environment from a perspective of the environment as a, and being in service or relating you know, naturally kind, naturally with Metta, when we can do this, it's, we're open to things that we wouldn't be open to otherwise, things that we couldn't see or experience. Because when we're coming from a view about myself, what I want, what I need, what I'm afraid of, what I reject, what I'm going to reject, what I'm going to argue about, when we come from that perspective, we suffer, it hurts. It's, and we miss out on that, on being in harmony with our environment. Now, being in harmony doesn't mean that everything's hunky-dory and peachy king. It means, it, it can mean that we're present for grief you know but we're not rocked by it from a self self view you know i don't want this we're just like oh this is really sad but we're also open to what's going on in the environment if there happen to be people in our environment or even animals we're there for them as well we can be present but when we're worried about our own feelings, our own emotions, our own desires and wants, we're closed out to the abundant opportunities in our environment to be in relationship and harmony in a beautiful way, in a present way.